The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Thing. I used to go use the bathroom a hundred times during a service and go to the drinking fountain 50 times and I'd go out and wander the parking lot because I forgot something in my car and all that. So don't run away. Just stay and let God connect you. It's going to build your life. That's how God's designed us, okay? So Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, God, as we get into it today, Lord, that you will, Lord, let your spirit actually teach us and show us how to apply it and how to live it. Lord, help us to look different when we're out there in the world, God, so that we can show people there's a better way. Lord, that there's a way of Jesus, Lord, there's a way of your spirit, God, that brings love and brings, God, your uh, righteousness into life, Lord, and causes us to live with destiny and purpose and with your peace, your joy, God, all the fruits of the spirit. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've been talking about uh, the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit, and today we're going to dive a little bit more into uh, the fruit of the spirit in the sense of how God actually works that kind of through us all individually because it's different for everyone. And God loves variety. He loves uniqueness. And so he has that ability to create many, many things. So when he made the Garden of Eden, he made all kinds of trees, and he made all kinds of, of different animals, and he did all these things. If you've been to the zoo, you go, you look around, and thank goodness when you go to the zoo, it's not just a lion, right? I mean, lions are cool, but if you got your kids pumped up and you went to the zoo to see a lion, right, it'd be kind of a short-lived adventure. But there's all kinds of animals, Right? There's this variety. They even have like reptile cages now, and they have places for birds, and you go and the birds fly around, and there's all different kinds of things. And that's what makes it exciting is you go there and there's just variety. I think if you went to the candy store and you loaded the kids up and you went to the store and you're like, okay, we're going to the candy store, and you walk in, and the only thing in the whole candy store is just one color of gumball. There's just a red gumball. The first time they went, they'd be excited. Second time, they'd be excited. Maybe by the third or fourth time, they'd be like, nah, I'll stay home right? Drill it up and go all the way there to just get that one thing. Variety adds excitement. If you have kids, you know variety adds excitement, right? Because you have all these kids, and it doesn't matter. Everyone's different. Everyone talks different, acts different, walks different, and believe me, it creates all kinds of excitement. Sometimes good excitement, sometimes not as good excitement, but there is excitement, that's for sure. And God just creates this constant variety and uniqueness of life. In, in humanity, we have male, we have female, we have different races, we have different cultures, different languages. There's all of this different mixture. And so God does that on purpose because he loves creativity and he expresses himself. You look into the space and what do you see? There's stars and there's galaxies and there's planets and there's different kinds of planets. There's all these things because God is infinitely creative and he's always making things. He's always doing things and expressing himself. And he does that through each of us. So we're going to get into John 15. We're going to go through verses 1 through 11 and then we're going to talk about fruit. So John 15 says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. So let me just stop there for a second. Okay? Have you been through some pain or difficulty in your life in the last six months? The last year? The last three months? Last three weeks? Last three days? The last three hours? Or maybe the last three minutes? 
Have you been through something challenging, hard, difficult, and you're like, God, why are you doing this? I thought you loved me. This verse tells you why. I'm going to read just that one verse again. It says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. We were at Jim and Brandy's house. They have a grapevine there, an actual grapevine. And they looked at it. They said, you know what? We have to cut that thing back 90% so that it will actually produce fruit. So some of us think like bonsai tree, right? It's like, yeah, God comes in, and I'm pretty much awesome. <laughs> and so God comes in, and he picks out one little branch here or there, and he just does a little snip, a little snippy snip right there, and then boom, I'm done. Like, it's so gentle and so soft, because I am pretty much like 99% awesome, and there's like a 1% not awesomeness. And you know what? If other people weren't around me agitating me, I'd probably be 100% awesome. Because it's kind of their agitation that messes with the awesomeness. Because when I'm by myself, I don't have fights or arguments or I'm never rude, never selfish, nothing. It's just that one little bit. And God comes in, he just says that little snip and I'm okay. And then we go through these little areas or seasons of life where it seems like God is just stripping things away. And it seems like every day we wake up and there's more discomfort, there's more pain, there's more problems, a health problem, a relationship problem, a job problem. There's something going on. It's just like, oh, this just keeps on hurting and keeps causing problem and stress. And I thought it would be over right now. Well, 90% is a lot. That just leaves a, a little bit. So kind of our bonsai is actually backwards. God doesn't come in and trim a little bit and leave all the great stuff. He comes in and trims almost everything and leaves just a little bit of us so that his spirit can come in and produce more of him. There's more room for what he wants in our life. There's more room for the fruit of the Spirit. Personally, I've had to walk through that because had God left me in the fullness of my awesomeness before we planted this church, this church over the growth and the lifespan of it would look a lot different than it is and than it's going to. Because I had been in business for a long time and my walk with the Lord was good and I love the Lord and I love people but my mind on how to produce fruit was very much locked into the ideas of business. Here's the methods. Here's the way to do it. Here's how we follow up. Here's how we, you know, market. Here's how we do. My brain, even in a church mindset, would be that. This is how we gather. This is how we produce the fruit. This is how we kind of funnel people in. And then we're going to funnel them out. That's just how my brain worked. I've been doing it for 20 years. And so when we got here, I was already in my mind. I'm like, this is how we'll do it. And then we're going to have this furniture store and this do this and this will pay for that. And was, everything was just planned out, man. It was looking beautiful. And it was 90% dependent upon my awesomeness and 10% dependent upon God really moving. And so if God didn't move, guess what? We still had a pretty full bucket. Well, we still had a good 90%. So God, I hope you're going to move, but I mean, we got a plan, so I mean, we're there. I mean, you made us, we got plans, and you did that for us, so I mean, you still get credit because you made it, and we're going to do it. And so we come in, and within just, you know, a few short months, you know, after 20 years of successful business, within a few short months, our business goes out of business. We lose all of our money. We lose everything, and God turns back like 90% of not just what we have, but literally like 90% of who we are. Because my identification over 20 years was that I'm a businessman. Moses' identification over the course of his life is that he was a commander and he was a leader in Egypt and he was someone who had authority and he knew how to run things. 
And when God called him out of that with the Israelites, he took all of that away. He sent him out into a desert and he lived out in the wilderness there and he shepherded sheep and all of his skills and abilities were put to the side and this was the only thing he had. Completely reworked his identity before he really sent him into the purpose of what he had for him. And some of you have gone through that. Some of you are going through that right now. It seems like every day, every minute, all the time, it's like, God, I thought that we're moving forward now. And God just keeps holding you still and taking some things out of your life, pulling on things, twisting things. He's like pulling this branch back, and you're like, not that one. He's like, yep, clip. But let me just tell you, he's not doing it to harm you. He's doing it for your benefit. I get emotional with that because I know it's hard. I know it's hard because I've walked through it, and I know it's hard because I know some of you, and I know it's hard. But God is faithful. And whatever he's doing in your life right now, he is doing for your good. Don't run. Don't doubt. Don't lose faith. Don't walk away. Just stay the course. Especially if you've been praying, God, make me more fruitful. God, I want to do something more significant for you. God, I want to be closer to you. And now you're running into trouble. Don't think that the trouble comes from the devil. Because it doesn't. It comes from God. God is bringing it in your life to help strip and prune things away because he's being faithful to answer your prayer. He wants to make room. He wants to strip things away and make room for fruit to grow. And so I know it's hard, man. I pray for the people in this church because I know that as God grows us, And as he grows you, that it sounds good on paper, but it hurts in real life. You look at a diagram and say, well, this is how you trim the bush. You cut this, cut this, cut that, cut that, and then the fruit comes out. And when you're reading the manual (laughs) or looking through the gardener's book, you're like, oh, this looks great. But if you're the vine, I mean, even a vine, if you cut it, right, that the sap and the juice bleeds out. I mean, there's a a, a loss to it. There's a hurt to it until it grows back. And God is faithful. Faithful. He's doing what he's doing because he loves you. That's the purpose. That's the reason. Okay, and you've got to know that when you're going through a hard season as much as you are when you're going through a good season because all of it comes from God. All of it comes for your good. All of it comes to build you up. And he's not going to leave you. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He's doing it in order to bring something better, and he's not going to stop in the middle. He's going to bring you through to the promise. Amen? So going on in verse 3, it says, Already you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm going to stop on verse 3 there just for a second. It says, Already you are clean because the word I have spoken to you. Okay, we know that if you don't do something to keep your tree, your vine, whatever the case is, clean, in other words, keep bad things from being on it, what happens to the fruit in the vine? It gets eaten up. The bugs eat it. Things come in and start to destroy it. But when it's cleaned off, when it's covered, when it's protected, it can grow properly. So God's word acts as a pesticide, as something to keep the things away from us that would come in and attack the fruit that God wants to grow. And so it's important to be in God's word, to be abiding so that as these things start to come on our spirit, on our thoughts, on our mind, and we start to then meditate on them and they're wrong and that worm gets in and it starts to eat away at the fruit that God would make and then all of a sudden we're not fruitful and we say, well, why am I fruitful? It's because we haven't been in the word and allowed God's word to clean us and to keep all of those things out and we're full of worms. And we don't have to be. 
But the way out of that is to stay in God's word, to stay in God's presence. And so that's what verse 3 is talking about, that God has spoken a word to us, and it keeps us clean. If we abide in him, that we bear fruit in verse 4. Verse 5, again, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, now listen to this, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and he withers. And the branches are gathered and they're thrown in the fire and they're burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In other words, the fruit that comes out of your life is the evidence. Not that you're saved, but that you're a disciple. There's a difference. Okay? The thief on the cross was saved. He went to heaven. The Bible tells us that Jesus hung on the cross and there was two criminals next to him being crucified at the same time and one mocked Jesus. You're supposed to be God. Get down. Because he didn't understand the plan. He was dying for us of his own free will. Get down. Save yourself. Save all of us. Ha ha. And the other one just looked to him and he had nothing to bring to the table. He had nothing to bring. That's all of us, guys. We have nothing to bring of value to add to God. He is perfect in himself. And he just turns to him and he just says, remember me when you get to heaven. Just remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You're going with me. He was saved because of his faith in Christ. He had done nothing to earn it, to deserve it. Nothing. And that's how we're saved. We're saved through Jesus. We're saved just through what he's done on the cross. We're saved through his death and his resurrection and that he has died for us, for our sins, to give us new life. And we receive that. But there is a difference between being, being saved and being a disciple. A disciple in the historical context is somebody that when they look at you, they know who your master is. Not by what you say, but by what they see. Has nothing to do with words. You know, the closest thing probably that we would even see as a, as a resemblance in our society, because we don't do discipleship. If you drive downtown, this fall you'll see everybody in orange shirts with longhorns on. And you will know it's because they're from the University of Texas or they're fans of that football team. You see something about them that says, these people identify with that. That's who they are. And God's intent is for us to bear fruit out of our life that when someone sees you, not because of what you say, but because of what is coming out of your life, that they say, that person must be a disciple of Jesus. They must live like him. They must walk like him. They said that of the disciples as they were going around preaching the word and they were healing the sick and they were stirring up these cities for Jesus after he left. They said, these men have been with Jesus because they could see it in their life. They could see how they served, how they loved others, how they picked up the poor, how they were ministering to widows. They could see it in who they were. One of my daughters got a job a new job recently, and she said that her manager, um, she's like, couldn't tell, you know, she just knew there was something different about her because just her spirit, just the way that she was. 
And after being there for like a week or so, she finds out she's a believer too. And she's like, I knew that. Like they could both tell because something in their life's growing out the joy of the Lord. The fruit of God is coming out of their life. Okay, and that's what should be happening in us. And that's what he's talking about, that he wants to have happen. But when it says apart from us, uh, him we can do nothing, it means we cannot manufacture real joy, real mercy, real peace. Not the kind that comes so fully out of our life that it ministers to others in such a powerful way and leads them to Jesus. Not this kind of fruit. It comes from him. It comes from being in his presence. And so godly fruit comes from abiding, not from striving. It doesn't come from trying to be a better person. It comes from being with a better person. Spending time with Christ. That's through reading your Bible. That's through times of prayer. That's through times of just quiet meditation on the Lord and who he is. Thinking about Jesus. Thinking about God. Thinking about his mercy. Thinking about his goodness. And so if your life is not producing the fruit that you feel it should be producing those fruits of the Spirit. Okay, it's not a self-help book that you need. It's not more positive affirmations in the mirror that you need. You need more time alone with the God that made you. And I would challenge you to look at your life. Is there any red flags that are saying, man, my fruit's coming out weird? You know, Jason, man, he loves avocados. He told me this morning, he said, did you notice the avocado seeds are really small, starting to become really small now? Like I said, you used to cut open an avocado and like the seed was huge. He goes, now they're small. It's like, what are they doing to our avocados? <laughs> they're changing. Who knows? But they're changing, right? They're losing nutritional value, but you get more, but the seed's smaller. Pretty soon we'll have seedless avocados. Praise God. <laughs> I didn't notice that the seed was getting smaller, but I did notice this week I cut an avocado in half and I opened it up because I had learned this thing where you take the seed out and it leaves the little indent, and then you fill that up with stuff. And you make that like your bowl, and then you eat like that, right? It's like healthy way to eat, you know? And so it's kind of like a donut. You take a donut, and there's a hole, and you put jelly in there. <laughs> but like with an avocado, it's like there's a hole, and jelly didn't work. But I put other stuff in there, and it turned out okay. But I noticed when I was putting it in there, and then I tried to eat it, everything was falling out because that little indent wasn't very big. So I think Jason's right. There wasn't much room. Okay, but if your fruit's coming out all wonky and weird... Okay, it's probably because it's not on the vine. It's not growing. It doesn't have that time with the Lord. So I would just challenge you to look at your life and say, God, I want more fruit. How do I get it? Well, it's easy. More time with me because it says, abide in me, you'll bear fruit. Abide in me, you'll bear fruit. I mean, it says it like five times in this passage. Abide in me, you'll bear fruit. Abide in me, you'll bear fruit. Okay, so that's how you get to be more fruitful. That's how you grow in the gifts and in the fruits of the Spirit is by being in His presence more. Okay, so then what do you do with it once it comes? Well, let me just tell you this. We all have different ways of expressing God's fruit. I take a whole bunch of different fruits, and the basic nutritional value in a lot of them is very similar. They have carbohydrates in there. They have, you know, amino acids. They have whatever stuff's in there, right? Boom, 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 boom. Vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin this, vitamin that. And it's all in there. But it's in all these different forms and flavors and types and that's just how God wanted to do it. Well, it's the same with us. We can have the, the fruit of the Spirit growing in our life. Joy, mercy, peace, long-suffering, patience, all these things, love, growing in our life. But it doesn't always look the same from person to person in how they express it and how it's delivered. 
because God makes us unique on purpose. And so it's a different way of doing it. So we're going to look at a few people in the Bible and uh, how their gifts are used, okay, and how God expresses through them. And then towards the end here, we're going to take a little bit of time to break up into huddles and talk about your fruit. Now, here's the thing. If you're new, okay, you can still participate because what I asked everyone to do was to think of a fruit and bring it. We're going to have a fruit buffet afterwards. Think of a fruit and bring it that would kind of describe your personality or your gifting of how God's kind of made you and how, how you can, you know, express yourself, okay, and how that would come out, okay? So if you didn't bring one, that's okay. You can listen to others. If you can just think through your mind, like, you know, of something that comes to mind, some of you might be super fast. You're like, I already thought of one. Then just as you talk and say, hey, this is kind of what I'd, what I'd be. And I'm going to share mine uh, as we go along. But I'll just tell you, whatever your fruit is, what you don't want to do is, because this used to be me, is you do not want to keep your fruit hidden away in a bag of insecurity. So many of us do that. I don't share really what I feel God's put in me, and I have a lot of love, but I don't share it because I don't want it to be rejected. Man, I'm a peacemaker, but I don't want to talk to that person that's struggling because they might not accept that, and they might not appreciate me. I have mercy, but I can see that person, they need someone to come over and be merciful and to speak love to them and to care for them. I don't want to do it because maybe they don't want it from me. And we keep in this like bag of insecurity where we're just thinking about ourselves. And you know what happens if you keep stuff in a bag like that? Is that you end up benefiting nobody and everything just rots. That's just what happens. And it's not good. And it's not just the peel that rots. I mean, literally, if you open it up, I mean, it's just gross. It's bubbling. It's bubbling. I won't eat this because I probably would get buzzed. But I'll just tell you right now that it doesn't benefit anyone. Some of you are allowing fear, negative thoughts, insecurities, things like that to rot the fruit of God in your life by keeping it inside of you. Don't rob others because you're worried about yourself. Get out of that. God wants to use you to show mercy. God wants to use you to show his love. God wants to use you to show someone what patience looks like. Someone at your work, someone at your school, someone at your family reunion, someone at the park. That person that's frustrated and, and trying to deal with something, carry their bags at Walmart. God wants to use you for that. But you have to get out of the insecurity and the fear and all those kinds of things and just say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm stepping out. I'm going to let you. You made, me, you made me a banana. I sure wish I looked like an orange, but I don't. I'm just a banana. That's okay. Don't be upset you're not something else. You are you by design. God wanted you that way. You have value for who God made you to be. Step out and let God use the you that you are. Because the Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It says even before we were in God's womb that he knew us. It says that he knit us within our mother's womb. He literally sat and just made us strand by strand of our personality. Well, how could he knit us? Do you know what strand by strand in us now, science finds out? Our DNA? Strand by strand, strand by strand, God made you. He knew exactly who you were. He knew all your intricacies. He knew all your issues. 
He knew about your OCD. He knew about your autism. He knew about your whatever problem you have, your ADHD. He knew about your struggle with weight. He knew about your struggle with hair. He knew about your struggle with no hair. He knew about your acne. He knew whatever your thing is that causes insecurity and fear and oh my gosh. God knew that. He made your DNA. He knitted you together and he knew you'd have quirks and issues and problems. He knew all this was going on and he was okay with it. Okay, so getting into a few of these people from the Bible. Barnabas is in Acts 9. Barnabas was a church leader and his name actually, Barnabas, wasn't his original name. It was a second name given to him. It's just what they called him in the church. But Barnabas means son of encouragement. He was an encourager. And so that's what they named him. So that he literally, when he came around, he was the encourager. He's going to build you up. You know, we have people in the church like that. You know, Eric is a great encourager. Eric Ober will come up and always has something encouraging to say. Jason's a great encourager. Gordon's an encourager. You know, Gordon encourages like this. Jackson, come here for a second. Go, come here. Okay, I'll show you different people's encouragement. Come up here. Okay, Eric encourages you like this. Right? <laughs> brother. Brother. Right? Sweaty or not, that's how he's going to encourage you. Okay? <laughs> Praise God for the winter months. All right? Okay? Gordon encourages you like this and talks to you just like that. I just talk, I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. Right? You know, we used to go crabbing as a family, and you get the crabs out and you rub their bellies, right? And what happens? First they're like, Nyeh. and then they're just like, mm. right? Gordon's kind of a crabber encourager. He just keeps rubbing your shoulder until you start to feel better, right? Everybody does it. He can sit down. No. <laughs> He's like, yeah, now I feel weird. Everyone's gifted differently. You know, some of you women are encouragers by giving gifts. You know, Nicole is a great gift giver. She comes and she encourages, she gives gifts, and she does things like that. You know, we have people that encourage through these different methods, and God's designed you that way. Okay? They need different types of people to do that. You know, and so God's done it that way. But this is Barnabas. It talks about how... Uh, he actually, Paul, in that passage, it talks about Paul actually was the persecutor of the church. He was killing people. He was persecuting people that were believing in Jesus. And then suddenly he realized he was wrong and Jesus was the way and he turns his life to Jesus. And now he comes and he tries to be a part of the church and he's trying to share and he's trying to help people. And the church was rejecting him because one, they were afraid of him. Two, they were bitter with him because he had literally dragged out and killed some of their relatives. And now he comes along and says, hey, I've got, a sh I've got a message. Can I share it on Sunday? And they're like, it was only a week ago you dragged my, dragged my uncle out to prison. So they thought he was a spy. They thought he was there to harm people. But Barnabas comes in and says, no, this guy's changed. God has a call and a purpose and a plan for his life. And he brings him in and he encourages and he builds up and he makes the connection that allows Paul to move forward in his ministry. So thank God for Paul who went around and started churches and won people to Jesus. But man, thank God for Barnabas that made it possible by being an encourager and a connector and a bridge builder. And that fruit of being a peacemaker and of having mercy came out of his life. In 2 Timothy 1.5, it talks about Lois and Eunice. And this is a grandma and a mom. Praise God for grandmas and moms. Right? Some of us are real grandmas and moms. And some of us are spiritual grandmas and moms. Okay? But we have a heart to see, you ladies have a heart to see people cared for and built up in their faith. 
And there's men that are dads and their grandpas, both naturally and in the faith. And it talks about them. And it's, this is their whole mention in the Bible. It says where the author tells Timothy, it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first now he's talking to a church leader. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy is the one that is a church leader. He has the recognition. People know him. He's accomplishing things. He's doing stuff. He's a planet shaker. He's a world changer. And everybody knows that. But Paul is saying, that's great, Timothy. But check this out. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. This is great, but it didn't start there. This started because of your heritage of somebody caring for you and loving you. That's true probably for everybody in this room. Somebody was praying for you. Somebody cared about you. Are you thankful for that? Someone mentored you or somebody spoke into your life? Well, guess what? That's God's call for you. Now, for the next generation. Sometimes in our culture, we're so fired up to make our name, to get the most likes on our page, to get the most comments on our posts, to get ourselves elevated, that we miss the value of being the person that just comes along and actually is lifting the next person up so that their gift, so that what God's doing in them can be fruitful. And produce. There's great examples of that in our church as well. There's a man at the gate, Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. And the way that the fruit comes out of him and the fruit that he really demonstrated was the joy of the Lord. But watch how it comes out. There's different kinds of joy. But this is his joy. It says, One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, and, it, and they were at three in the afternoon. Now there was a man who was lame from birth. He was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those that were going in the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, Silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He said, Get up. But check this out. He says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts and walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This verse is packed with the way that God uses people's fruit and their gift differently. Peter, remember, denied Jesus three times. After Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus reached out to Peter and invited him back into his close circle and said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. I still have a plan and a purpose for you. I still want relationship with you. Peter experienced firsthand patience, long-suffering, and especially mercy. He had mercy on those that were less than and brought into relationship. And so what does he say when he reaches out? He says he takes him by the hand. He says, I don't have those things. He lifts him up to walk. But then where did the man go? He went into the courts with him. 
It wasn't just that they healed him at the gate, which you have the outside area, you have the gate, and then inside is where all the action happens. Okay, the beggar sits at the gate and begs. He could have healed him and the man could have went along his way. But he heals him, brings him into relationship, and takes him in with him to the courts and walks with him, talks with him. I shared this at men's Bible study on Saturday. It's every Saturday, 7.30 to 8.30. Come if you are a man and want to come. But when I first really gave my life to the Lord and came out of my addictions and all just the problems I was having, a, a mentor of mine, Wayman Steele, invites me and says, hey, I'm going to lunch. You want to come with me? I said, yeah. So I get there. We walk in, and it's a table of probably 20 or 30 pastors and their wives. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. And he walks in. Hey, this is my buddy Andy. You know, he's eating with us today. He's a great guy. Love him. Man of God. You know, we sat down at eight, and I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop when he would say, you know, hey, he's a project. Never happened. This is what Peter does. He picks the beggar up, and he takes him in. And he doesn't say, hey, this is a beggar. This is a beggar. You know, this guy's secondary. We're the, look, look at what we did. He actually let him take second stage and celebrate what God's doing in his life. And the joy of the Lord comes out of the beggar and begins to touch other people's lives. See, and so God can allow us to show mercy that elevates somebody and the, the story of God in their life and that causes the elevation of their story and the joy that they're experiencing to affect others. That's different than Lois and Eunice. That's different than Barnabas. The last one I'm going to share today is Tabitha, also known as Dorcas in the Bible, but I'm going to skip down a few verses uh, to verse 39, or no, to verse 38. It says... Um, so Tabitha dies, and it says, Lydia was near Joppa, so when she went to the disciples, she heard that Peter was in Lydia. They sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once, right? They wanted help. And so Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that she used to make while she was still with them. And Peter sent all of them out of the room, and he got down on his knees, and he prayed, Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, and he helped her to her feet. And they called all the believers, especially the widows, and he presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Now what happened here is a couple things. One is that he used his gift, his fruit of the spirit of faith, to bring someone back to life to do a miracle. Now, the lady that needed raised from the dead, people were panicking because her gift, her fruit of the Spirit, which was kindness. Remember, last week we talked about kindness, and kindness isn't just kind of a nice mood. Kindness is when you do something that's fit for the purpose needed, when it's fit for the use. Someone needs their tire changed, and they're on the side of the road. Kindness changes the tire. Someone's cold. Kindness gives them a coat. It doesn't just feel for them. Man, I love you. I wish you had a coat. Well, that's very kind of you to say. It's not talking about that. Kindness does. It takes action. It helps with the need that it sees. 
And so this lady was raised from the dead because she had a gift of kindness where she saw there was a need for robes and there was a need for blankets and clothing and these things. And she was literally making them and helping these widows and people in need. And her gift of kindness was there. And the fruit was so good that when it was gone, people had a panic attack. Who else can do this? And so then they brought her back. And so God uses that. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take our last few minutes together. And this is what I want you to do. My fruit is a coconut. Somebody questioned me on whether that's actually a fruit. I sure hope it is because it's my fruit no matter what. Because it's my favorite food. I never even thought of that, but that is genius. This is my wife's favorite food, so no wonder I'm a coconut. She loves me. But I will tell you this. I chose a coconut because a couple things. And the one, it just happened to have this little covering on it. Uh, which I was going to take off, but actually it's kind of representative too because that covering looks really nice. This little wrap, you know, they put on here. But you know, if you actually have that on there or take it off, it really doesn't change the coconut at all. It still is exactly what it is. And do you know what it is? It's hard as a rock. And it's pretty much useless as it is. You can't get through it. You can maybe hear that there's something in there that might be valuable, but it's sure hard to get to. Real hard to get to. And you know, when I was coming, to, before I came to the Lord, so I was in process, all you would have seen or known is this. People might say, man, that guy's maybe got some things in him that God would want to use to be a blessing or to build others up, but boy, nobody knows how to get to it. This is hard. My heart was hard. I had a lot of anger. And I could feel sometimes that little swishing. Can you hear that little swishing around? I could hear it. I could feel it. Man, God wants me to do something. But not only did people not know how to get into it, I didn't know how to get it out. It was just covered, man, by bitterness, by anger, by just all kinds of stuff. You know, and God had to come in and literally just like break me open which hurt, to get it out so that it could be a blessing, which is what he intended it to be. So that it could bring nourishment, so that it could bring life to somebody that's, that's dehydrated, that's worn out, and they could get that electrolytes out of that coconut juice, that milk. Otherwise, it would have stayed locked up in there. You know, and God's done that for some of you too. And God wants to do that for others. We're going to take a break. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to take a a break out here for a minute. And we're just going to talk amongst each other. So get in like groups of three, four, five people. Our fruits are out there. We're going to eat them, but you could have brought some. I found all kinds of weird fruits when I was at the grocery store. I didn't even know existed. But think about this. When you go to buy fruit, most of us tend to go to the fruit that we already have experience with because we know what to do with it. But I just bought weird fruits on purpose. I was at the thing, I'm like, I've never bought that before. I've never bought that before. I never bought that to add to our church buffet. And so I'm at the house trying to get them ready to put on trays. And I'm like, do I cut this one? Do I bang this one? Do I peel this one? Like, how do I get anything good out of this? And then I'd open it. I'd like, you know, try to taste it. Is it any good? There's some pretty awesome fruits that I would never buy because I'm stuck in my own little rut. Well, do you know what? We're like that. Sometimes you see somebody and you're like, oh, they seem prickly. Well, do you know what? Prickly pear is delicious. There's a jackfruit out there that's very prickly on the outside and it weighs a lot 
And it's like, oh, I don't know if that's got anything good in it, but you cut it open and you can make all kinds of stuff out of that. It's a pretty amazing fruit. You could bite into an orange and be like, oh, that's nasty, right? But if you know how to get to it and peel it, you can find, man, this is amazing. Well, the person next to you is similar to that. You might not know how to get to the middle, get to what God's put in them, but if you stay in relationship long enough and allow God to kind of show you how to connect to that person, how to work with them, you'll find that every single person, no matter who they are, that God's designed them in a way that regardless of their exterior, maybe they're a little bossy, maybe they're a little pushy, maybe they're a little whiny. In fact, there's a few people in our church that are a little whiny. It's, um, could you stand? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it could be whatever you see on the outside, but God wants us to get inside. Stick around in relationship long enough to get to know them and figure it out because they have something valuable to add to his buffet that he's doing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. They have something to bring to the table. Okay, so that's part of what this process is going to be. One, I wanted you to think of a fruit because I wanted you to kind of self-assess how has God made me? And now I want you to share it. It helps us get to know each other better. Okay, so I'm going to pray and then we'll break up. Find three, four people to gather with, four or five, whatever number you want. We'll take a few minutes to do that and then at the end we're going to go out and enjoy our fruits together father we thank you for this time together and i pray god this is a a simple exercise it's a simple time of talking but god i pray that your holy spirit would be involved lord to help us god to connect help us to know each other help us to understand each other help us to see the goodness of god that you've put into each of us lord and as we talk and discover those things lord help us also as we go out into our world around us lord to think in terms of well i have this to offer I'm going to get it out of my bag where it's rotting away, and I'm just going to start sharing. I'm going to start sharing who God is and what he's doing in my life. I'm going to start sharing his goodness with those around me so they can taste and see, Lord, that you are good. Father, use us, God, to grow your kingdom and your family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's break up in the little groups. I will take like around five to ten minutes to do this, so just share and talk, and then at the end I'll uh, get up here on the mic and end us and wrap it up so we can go grab kids and everything. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com slash give.